continuing our short series of three weeks as we look at um, the topic of evangelism, reaching out uh, to other people. And uh, this is somewhat in preparation for a, a bit of a change that we're having here at Elam where uh, we have a welcome ministry that's going to begin on November 1st. There are many people that have signed up for that and we're very thankful as we uh, try to be more hospitable to those that are coming as guests here at Elam and also reaching out to our community and drawing them in. One piece of advice that was given to me in seminary and as I was preparing for the ministry was that we were to try our hardest not to focus on numbers. Our professors, who all had been formerly pastors themselves, warned us not to become discouraged when attendance was low. They told us not to get too excited when uh, the numbers were up. They also told us to not despair uh, when it seemed like the monthly offerings would not cover the budget, and they admonished us not to pat ourselves on the back when the giving was up. Instead, they told us to faithfully preach the word to the best of our ability. However, in my experience, it's been nearly impossible to restrain myself from focusing on numbers. The reason is that most meetings that I attend, whether it's the council meeting, adult ministry meetings, preschool board meetings, or deacon meetings, numbers become a major factor. One of the main questions that is asked is, how can we get more people to attend Sunday service, or some youth event, or a family outing like the hayride last night, which by the way, there was 29 people at. <laughs> All of this coupled with the fact that there seems to be a major focus in scripture on numbers, leaves me with the question, what uh, is the balance here? Where do we find that balance? And I think a par partial answer to that question of where we find balance comes in the form of another question. How are we, as a congregation, doing in sharing the gospel? If the reason that the attendance numbers are low has to do with the fact that people don't want to hear the truth of the Bible, but rather, as Paul warned in 2 Timothy 4.3, that the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. If that's the case, then we just keep on focusing on what we're doing, proclaiming the gospel even if no one comes. However, if the reason for the numbers being low is because we're not telling people about Jesus, then there should be a major concern. And so for the sake of argument, let's assume that it's the second reason this morning. And perhaps the reason that you don't tell people about Jesus is that you struggle in knowing how to do it, especially in our relative culture. Uh, we find some help here as we look at Paul uh, the Apostle. He's looking at some key ways, uh, some techniques that he did in order to reach the lost. Paul knew that as he worked to spread the good news of the gospel, he was going to have to meet people where they were at, not expect that they would flock to him as he came into different towns. And so first of all, he says, use your freedom to serve the gospel. We notice here in verse 19 that Paul states that he is free. And what he's saying here is that he is free from any obligation to a particular group. If he were in politics, that would mean that he was not under the control or the influence of any lobbyists. 
You see, Paul had done something unusual, and in fact, something that he preached against. He refused to take payment from any group. He made his living as a tent maker and did not want to be accused by anyone that he was working for Jesus for a fee. This was the boast that he wanted to maintain, even though he told churches that they were obligated to pay their pastors and take care of them. Let's read on in verse 19 here to determine why he was saying that he was free from, from any obligation. He says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I may win more of them. He knew that his main job was to win souls for Jesus. And in the process, he found that the best way to do that was to become a servant. Or that word could be translated slave to all. Now, if you know anything about slaves or servants, they don't get paid. They do what their master says. And everywhere Paul went, he did whatever it took to bring the gospel message to the lost. He became whatever he needed to become in order to have credibility among certain groups. In many ways, we have fallen very far short of this model of service. We tell people, we will share the gospel message, but first they need to come into our building, dressed in a particular way. They need to sing these kind of songs and sit when we say sit and stand when we say stand. And they may, may feel awkward for a while, but we figure, you know, they'll catch on. In fact, before long, they'll feel like part of the club. And when other visitors come in, they can feel superior to them, knowing that they feel part of the club. Paul preached just the opposite, which brings us to the meat of this message this morning. He said, find out the best way to reach people. As William Barclay states in his commentary on First and Second Corinthians, he says, we need to figure out how to get alongside people. He went on to tell a story of an amazing preacher who had the ability to make anyone feel comfortable. And the way that he did this was he found out what they were interested in and became genuinely interested about it. And this takes a bit of work on our part, and it has to do with the ability to lay aside our own agenda and the things that we want to talk about, right? But Paul describes three different areas that he strove to do this. And I think it's an example for us today here at Elam. As we look at these points, I want you to ask yourself this question. Are we a church that's more like a club that's hard to figure the rules out to, or do we go out of our way to become all things to all people? First of all, Paul said that we should be willing to cross cultural borders. In verse 19, Paul tells the reader here that he became a Jew to win Jews. Now, this is kind of a weird statement by Paul because he was Jewish, right? And so what did he mean that he became like a Jew to win Jews? Well, during his ministry, it was clear that his main focus was to become the Gentiles. But he still had a heart for his brothers and sisters according to his nationality. In certain circumstances, he did very Jewish things to make the gospel attractive to them. One of the example of this is found in Acts 16, verses 1 through 3. Paul came also to Derbe and Lystra, 
a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium, and Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and he circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now this seems very strange because in other places, Paul told the Gentiles if they became circumcised, their faith became null. And what he was saying was, basically, your salvation is not dependent upon circumcision. But what Paul was doing here was he was removing any stumbling block from the gospel message to the Jews. He was not trying to tell Timothy that he needed to get, to get circumcised to get saved. And so the question for us personally this morning is, do we here at Elam have a problem with crossing cultural borders for the sake of the gospel? Well, on the surface, as we look at one another, we might be inclined to say, no, I don't see that. However, I want to share one small example of how cultural traditions can affect our witness. And by the way, this is going to raise some hackles, and so if you want to talk about this after the service, uh, I'd be more than willing to do that. I'm not saying this to offend anybody who has this particular tradition. I'm just using it as an example of the way culture can get in the way of our main goal, which is reaching people for the gospel. Within the first couple of months of arriving here at Elam, people began to approach me about the Christmas Eve service. And I thought that was a bit strange because Christmas was 11 months away. And so what was the main issue that they were talking to me about? Well, the main issue was the time of the Christmas Eve service. People with young families began to approach me and say, can we have the Christmas Eve service earlier so that I can bring my kids and they're not out so late? And we began to talk about that in different settings. Is that the way that we should do this? Should we move this time in order to reach families in the community that don't want to have their kids up at 10 o'clock at night and get home around midnight? And so as we discussed that, I found that there was great opposition to this move to move the time. And the reason was because of family traditions, mostly in Norwegian homes, that had the service late and they had their dinner at certain times. Okay? And I was like, well, if we're trying to reach families, shouldn't we move this time? And by the way, I'm all for tradition. Tradition is fine. I'm glad that people have traditions. However, the point is, when tradition, which has to do with culture, is at odds with the gospel or reaching out to others, then tradition must be sacrificed. We need to be willing to do whatever it takes, no matter what it causes a problem in our families for. Moving the time of our Christmas dinner to reach the lost? Timothy was willing to cut the foreskin off of himself, or have it cut off, in order to reach the gospel. And we don't want to change this? And so the point we're trying to make is, how are we going to promote outreach? Jesus was against certain traditions as well. 
Not all of them, because tradition is good if it points us to the Lord and helps us reach the lost. But he accused the religious leaders, you set up your traditions before God. Their traditions had become more important than their obedience to God. And especially when Jesus came. And so do our traditions help or hinder what God is doing in our community? If they hinder us, then we should set them aside. Second, Paul said that he was willing to cross religious borders. Paul goes on to say that he, was under, he became to those who were under the law as one under the law so that he could reach them. This speaks to doctrinal positions of other religions. Now, before I even get into this, I want to tell you what this does not mean, okay? It doesn't mean that we water down our doctrine or change our beliefs. It means that we try to find some common ground with individuals in order that we might share the good news with them. The best example in regard to Paul here, I think, was in regard to his interaction with the philosophers in Athens on Mars Hill. Listen to how he found common ground in this situation in order to proclaim the good news. So Paul stood in the mid of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all aspects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Paul found common ground and a reference so that he could begin a dialogue with them. But notice, he doesn't start out by blasting them and their pagan religions, right? How could this be fleshed out here at Elam? One example that comes to mind is in regard to uh, a radio program that I hosted back at my church in California called The Harvest Report. And we had different guests that would come on the show uh, from the community, many of them that ran different ministries. And so one time uh, I invited a guest named Margaret Bruner onto the show. And she was the cantor of uh, Temple Bethel, which was the local synagogue for the Jewish people. And while she was on the show, I learned some interesting things about her job and how the Jews worshipped in the modern culture. After the interview ended, we talked for about another hour about the gospel. And I had a chance to share with her and ask her if she believed in Jesus and all of this. And then I took a flyer from her that advertised their annual fundraiser, which was basically a pastrami and corned beef sandwich lunch that they did every year. And so the next week, I brought over uh, my intern pastor, and we bought lunches for all the staff from this fundraiser. And then I ended up tracking down Margaret. I introduced her to our intern pastor. Um, we just, you know, talked for a little while. And so the question is, did I cross any kind of off-limits doctrinal zone by doing that? No. Did I water down our message? No. Did I become a little bit Jewishy to that day? Perhaps. And there are millions of ways that we can do these kinds of small things in order to make the gospel message more attractive to those who are lost in other religions. We just need, need to be willing to pay attention when the prompting of the Holy Spirit comes in those moments. 
And the way that that happens is to not become so focused on what you've got going on, but looking around and seeing opportunities for that. By the way, we have a ton of the opportunities right in our preschool. There are people from many different religions in our preschool, not just Christian, and many different countries that are right there. The third thing Paul proclaims here is to be willing to cross accepted behavior uh, borders. The last way that Paul recommends becoming all things to all people is becoming like the weak to the weak. And so what does this mean? Well, I think that he's referring to those who are weak in their resistance to the sin nature. An example of this in modern times would be perhaps a Christian who's a motorcycle enthusiast. And he decides that he's going to share the message of the gospel with other motorcycle enthusiasts. And he figures out the best way to do that is to go to the rally at Sturgis in South Dakota, where they have this huge motorcycle rally every year. And he knows that when he goes there, he's going to see a lot of overuse of alcohol. He knows that he may see some open drug use. He knows he may witness some fights breaking out between rival motorcycle gangs. And he expects that the women might be less than modestly dressed. But because he has found victory in those areas and has a certain level of strength, he has the ability to minister to the weak. The alter alternative, by the way, to this is to wait for the motorcycle gang to pull up here on Sunday morning and come attend our church. But the likelihood of that is pretty low. We have to go out and find them where they're at. In conclusion this morning... What are some ways that perhaps God is calling you individually to step outside your comfort zone and to do something different to reach the lost around you? What are ways that God is calling us here at Elam to do that same thing? And I want to leave you with an illustration in regard to uh, grandchildren. I asked one woman one time, I said, what would you do to reach your grandchildren for Christ, to guarantee that they would be Christians. And she said, I'd do almost anything to see that happen. And so here at Elam, I would begin to encourage us to see those who are walking in our church door uh, on Sunday mornings as guests, as grandchildren in the Lord, as possibly those that the Lord would have us reach out to, rather than a hindrance to the way we do things. Perhaps the Lord wants to change things up. By the way, 50 years ago, if you came back here to Elam, if you could go back in time, things would have been much different. You probably would have been shocked about how different. And in fact, if you could go forward in time 50 years from now, this moment, if Elam is still in existence, you'll probably be shocked at the differences in that. Because cultures change. And in order to reach the culture, sometimes we need to change. It doesn't mean we change our witness. It doesn't mean the Bible changes. It doesn't mean we change our stance on certain things. But the way that we do it, the way that we reach people, can change. Because culture's fluid. And so I challenge us as a congregation, as we think about reaching out to those around us, how does the Lord want us to change, to become all things to all people? Let's pray. Father God, we pray for the lost around us. Father, we pray for those who are on their way to hell, will spend eternity apart from you. And you want to send us to proclaim 
your good news. Loose our tongues, Lord. Help us have eyes to see the harvest, to see the dead spiritual state of those around us. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net. Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.